0: Fuck libraries, fuck them. You You ever met a library you liked? Yeah, fuck it, fuck them.
1: There's your non, no context intro to this episode. We should start every episode with just a random fuck you. Fuck something. Fuck you, libraries. This week's episode is fucked to
0: you by libraries. (laughs) Nice. Fuck you, libraries. I like that. It's fucked to you fucked by. Fucked to you by. Nice. Libraries. So now that's kind of like the library's doing fucking a little bit too. Yeah. So everyone's getting fucked. It's fair. I like that. Hey. That's the shuffle guarantee. Do, everyone's getting fucked. Everyone's getting fucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's the shuffle guarantee. Did everyone start fucking, what well, if we fuck oh right here? God. <laughs> Wait, did he change the lyrics on that one? Or he kept that one? No,
1: he didn't. Uh-huh. So I was thinking, I, I didn't even bother coming up with any other titles for this one. No AFX. Nice. I mean, it has to be no AFX. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no other option. (laughs) That's what it is. All right. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Shuffle. Sweet 16. Yeah. We can drive now. Ooh. We're going to be driving opinions on music into your brains. Nice. Nice. Fucked libraries. (laughs) Please make sure to listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. It has been four episodes since our last icp incident. Yeah, ICP-sident. Couldn't really find any ICP News Corner stuff, so Ooh. move on to a different corner. Where are the clown's at. Kanye News Corner. Nah. So... Lots been going on. Kind life of. of Pablo is in a somewhat official capacity out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm assuming this is its final incarnation. Yeah, but yeah, who knows? For the
0: purists like me, we're not listening to it. Nope. You only nope. listen to the original. We know the Illuminati put him up to it. He had to change it because it was too real. Gotta get. It was too real. We're feeling I know. too
1: much. I know, man. Well, the Illuminati probably made a good call because The Life of <laughs> Pablo just hit number one on the Billboard 200 chart with an estimated 99 million U.S. streams after its first week of release. Wow. Wow! It's uh, The number one position was achieved with streams accounting for 70% of the record's unit sale numbers, and this is setting a huge precedent for the future of streaming. Yeah, yeah. Showing people that... Don't need physical media to have a successful charting album.
0: Damn. So, Kanye did it.
1: Good job, Illuminati. Good job. (laughs) Classic Illuminati. Classic Illuminati. Making calls, slowly, gradually changing the future (laughs) of the country and its ongoings. One Kanye at a time. One Ye at a time. One Ye at a time. So, did you hear about Beethoven at all?
0: I I saw the headline I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, some on, genius thought up
1: on April 16th, a 70-piece orchestra will be bringing the music of Kanye West and Ludwig von Beethoven together. Wow. Entitled Yeethoven. The series will splice together six Beethoven works with six Yeezus tracks.
2: Wow,
1: I'll I'll post a link. I think it's a splice. They show a clip of splice of um, Beethoven's Fifth
0: mixed with Blood on the Leaves from Kanye. Wow, this is like this Symphony Industries like hail mary, last ditch effort. Like, well, I feel like uh, with this (laughs) the advent of have you heard about this new up and coming
1: Hamilton Broadway play
0: about yeah. Alexander Hamilton's life. Yeah, and life. it's like a yeah. hip hop
1: Broadway story about Alexander Hamilton's <laughs> life. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like this meshing of trying really is, hard. Yeah. Shit. It's taking off. Shit. Why not? So, now that the life of Pablo is officially out, I think I will be putting a cork in Kanye News Corner from now or not. We're shutting it down. At what? Le- at least for
0: now. Temporarily.
1: You know, I'm I'm looking at you, (laughs) TurboGrafx-16, but for now, I think any time Kanye's story comes up, it will just be moved to music news.
0: All right, so so now we're introducing a new segment called Wings Corner. Okay. Or the Wing Hut, I like to call it. Um, In Wing News, uh, Paul McCartney the other day was spotted golfing. That's pretty big news, because this guy doesn't get out that much. He was spotted golfing down in Northern uh, California. Uh, just a couple, you know, nondescript people he's with, but, uh, golfing, you know, looking good. I am trying to tell whether you're, like, making this up or... <laughs> I got it right oh, here! shit, you wrote it down here. <laughs> Wings corner okay. every week. You're giving me three minutes. Okay. Keep bro. going. Keep going. <laughs> all right, uh, and, no, all right, fine. <laughs> I'll save it for next week. Oh, okay. Wing, a- wing hut. Wing hut? It's going it wicked. Oh, like, the like, Wing nut.
1: Like... Pizza Hut and Wing Street. Wing (laughs) Hut. Yeah, there you go. Wing Hut. We're actually sponsored. uh, This episode brought to you by Pizza Hut. Yep. Yep, We're sponsored now. (laughs) It's a collaboration with Paul
0: McCartney Wings and Pizza Hut. What's up, Paul McCartney? Maybe I'm going to start a podcast that's nothing but Paul McCartney news, just to see if I can get his attention. Not in a creepy way, but it's obviously going to be a little creepy. I feel like if it's specifically about
1: Paul McCartney news, <laughs> you're going to have to do some like deep sleuthing to keep having content for you. I'll just make shit up. Just, I'll, okay, say, okay. I'll
0: say reports suggest that perhaps, and then I'll say whatever I want. Well, <laughs> okay,
1: slightly tangential, just knowing your love of Paul and also your ability to draw parallels in like a – conspiracy theory-esque way. Oh, go on. Well, I mean, how far have you looked into this Paul is dead conspiracy? Do you know, like, everything about it? I've seen it?
0: the official documentary. It's extremely, extremely compelling. Very persuasive. I just... The, you gotta check it out.
1: The thought of <laughs> them taking some dude and, like, giving him plastic surgery look like Paul and just be like, you're just Paul from now, now on. Now,
0: that's not what it... Now, here it well, that's is. That's the
1: one that I heard. That's the one well, maybe I
0: they probably gave him a But there was like a famous Beatles look-alike competition early on. And this guy was a dead ringer for Paul. And so Paul died, bringing... So do you me.
1: think, do you believe that the reason why they did... Because see, So this is how it was presented to me. Yeah. This was off of a conspiracy theory podcast I okay, listened to okay. called Real Life Sci-Fi. <laughs> the theory they presented was that... Paul died in a horrible car accident. Yep, and what Interpol or whatever the, the British police, the authorities thought that the public could not handle this news. They imagined like mass hysteria. suicides, yeah, just hysteria, yeah, yeah. riding suicides, <laughs> littering the streets. So rather than tell the people that Paul is dead, they Forced a man into pretending to be Paul for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's the theory that this (laughs) documentary presents.
0: I, I can't honestly. I can't quite remember the exact reason. Whether it was because they were shocked that they were afraid people would like freak out, or people just wanted to keep riding the money train. But I can't remember which one they alleged. But you
1: believe it was accident. You don't think someone took him out. It was. It was an accidental death. I think from, all of, from what I've heard, it was. Okay. I
0: mean, to break character for a second. I just one second. Paul McCartney definitely died. Okay, let's just be real. But who gives a shit? Because he was an asshole, and the new Paul's way better. <laughs> way you hear the albums post Paul? Fantastic. So okay, back in character, Okay, back in character.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I doubt Paul. Okay. So, I guess that ends our new segment. Uh, the Wing Hut out.
0: Wing Hut out, conspiracy corner. <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> Avenue. I, I like don't. this. All right. Question mark, question mark. Yeah. Mystery, mystery. Question mark, question mark, mystery, mystery. That's the name of the new segment. You know, when Michael Jackson hired, when he had to get, you know, refigured. That was the old Paul McCartney's. That's the real well, ultimate. Know, yeah. we, we could have episodes all about
1: <laughs> music conspiracies. Yeah, no kidding. You yeah, and right, I, right, off right. mic, have already talked about a certain
0: Jandek episode. Which I think I cracked. I think I, 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 think I have the I most think compelling argument. I think you might have,
1: argument. too. This kind of blew me away. Also, the entire Andrew W.K. Thing, if you know anything about that, only a little bit. Okay, so, yeah, that's a whole to... can of worms right there. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, Kurt Cobain, Michael Jackson. Yeah. We, yeah, we could have like once a month have a mystery yeah.
0: mysteries in the world of music. Like, we'll come up with a better name. <laughs>
1: can I still use that voice? Then? Yeah, of course. Okay, the whole episode needs to be done <laughs> in that voice though. So you might want to like. Rex, Did Michael Rex.
0: Jackson die? You'll find out. <laughs> right now. Rex Quando. Yeah, I think that's where I guess. <laughs> Napoleon died. Yeah. Away. Okay.
1: Music news. Uh, I'll start with the more boring stuff and get more interesting. I included this just because it, it's very important to me. The gorillas are officially... Mm-hmm. Not the gorillas. Gorillas are officially back in the studio. Yeah. Jamie Hewlett... Hewlett the uh, artist and co-creator of Gorillaz recently posted two Instagram videos showing himself and Damon Albarn back in the studio recording the Gorillaz fifth installment. Nice. Super excited. Damn. Nothing yeah. much to say there. No. That'll be cool. Did you hear that recently during this Smashing Pumpkins tour that James Eha and Jimmy Chamberlain both joined Billy on stage? Uh, yeah,
0: I saw that. Meaning yeah. that
1: it was the entire old Smashing Pumpkins minus Darcy Ressky.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who would have
1: thought? Kind of exciting. Yeah. Who
0: would have thought,
1: man? I, I will honestly say, if Darcy shows up, I will be very surprised because <laughs> they did not leave yeah. on good terms. If you know anything about that, I'm pretty sure Little they like bit, yeah. forced her into rehab and she didn't want to go. And yeah. Yeah. But exciting any news for Smashing Pumpkins yeah. fans. Yeah. Maybe maybe James and Jimmy can kinda level bring Billy. Down a yeah, notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him yeah, yeah. Bring Left bring to direct. his own devices, <laughs> he kinda self destructs a bit.
0: Except his poetry. Have you read his poetry? Fantastic. Oh, I'm just waiting for the documentary about <laughs> America. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I still think that's gotta be a joke by it's- his PR team. I don't know. He's so serious all the time. It's really...
1: I hope it's a joke. Yeah. I hope it's a joke. <laughs> all right. Or I hope it's like... I hope it's like vaporware in that it yeah. is announced and never gets yeah, it released. Yeah, never gets
0: out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: let's see. What else?
0: The Avalanche. Yeah, well, Avalanche. I wasn't
1: is- going to... I just I literally just read that a second ago. Yeah, Avalanches are officially back. They're people, back. People were speculating because all of a sudden all of their social media websites, yep. their I it, the icon changed like a week ago and yeah. there's a whole tour and everything all planned out. It I might finally you come else. out.
0: That no, that's it. But it might finally come out. It might the the album, the long awaited album. How many years has it been? <laughs> Fifteen? <laughs> right? Shit. Fifteen. It broke Chinese democracy. That was like a yeah. <laughs> record. <job>. Yeah. <laughs> Someone had to bring <laughs> Guns N' Roses down a peg. <laughs> Let's see. Do
1: you are you familiar with the uh, the experimental lo-fi group Zuzu? Nope. XIU XIU.
0: No, nah, not really. Maybe I've seen the name.
1: They're uh, they're interesting to say the least. Yeah. They put out fuckload of music constantly and some of it's good some of it's really bad it's always interesting they have announced that they are going to be doing an album of an entirely of twin peaks covers for record store day this year wow so they are um they are reinterpretations of the songs Huh. They've they've shared one so far, it's called Fallen, and it is a reinterpretation of the Twin Peaks theme song. Oh, the theme? Okay. It's it's pretty damn good. Yeah. It starts off pretty much exactly how you'd think and it kind of expands upon it and they actually add lyrics and vocals to it. And it actually works. I, I wouldn't think it would, but yeah. I'll post a link to it. It's worth wow. checking out. I definitely am curious to hear the Are rest there of that
0: it. many songs in the, I haven't seen the show in a long time. There's a lot of like songs that
1: Yeah, there's a there was a, there's a whole soundtrack, I believe there it's like a, about twelve songs. Okay, long. okay, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shit. Yeah. I'll have to listen to that first. Though. Yeah. Nice. So,
1: nice. And uh Tom Waits is set to star in a brand new Hulu supernatural drama called Citizen. He will be playing a priest named Caesar who runs a guerrilla humanitarian outfit. And the show has been described as a hero's origin story with elements of both magical realism and gritty vigilantism.
2: Hmm.
0: It will be great, but part of me just wishes he'd make a new album. Just keep making music.
1: Come yeah, he hasn't put out a new album since Bad As Me, and that was... Right? Yeah, that's like 2012,
0: or 2011. 11? Yeah. So it's been a while. But, I mean, he's already done a shit ton, but... He's put out a lot of music. <laughs> yeah, he's... He's paid Come his on, dues. Come on, Tom, you're slacking. He's paid his dues, but it'll be good. I'm sure it'll be good.
1: And in our final new segment, going back to Andrew W.K., Andrew W.K. has officially organized his own political party. <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's called the Party Party. The Party Party. Which is so <laughs> fucking awesome. It's, it's being framed as an all-inclusive alternative to the traditional two-party model. Mm. There's a website you can go to. They have a pretty great informational video about it, as well as a petition you can sign to help legitimize The newfound political organization. So if you want to support the party party, the party party sign up today. (laughs) So what have you been listening to
0: lately? I actually I was listening to the radio and a song came on and I was like, wow, that's a oddly good song for the radio. Thank you, radio. I was shocked. And I followed it up. And this is a song that I'm probably like the last person on earth to actually listen to him. And I'm like the last person on earth to be like, wow, Bjork is a fantastic artist. I'd never listened to Bjork before in my entire life. And it was a song off her album called Debut, which was kind of her debut album. Kind of not. I don't know how much you know about Bjork. Probably more than me. But I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a, I wouldn't, I'm a, moderate yeah. fan. We, I mean, I literally never listened to her, but it was Human Behavior. Human Behavior's a great yeah, song. Yeah, I was like, fuck, that's a good song. And then I just started listening to some of her albums, her newest one, Volna Cura. Volna i Am saying that right? And even I listened to some of the stuff from her original Icelandic band, The Ice Cubes. Sugar Cube. Sugar Cube, that's it. Ice Cube Sugar cube. But, dude, she's fucking fantastic. She's. I'm no,
1: she's incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You weren't on this episode. Maddie's brother Max was. But a Bjork song was actually on Shuffle. Nice. Well, And it's one of my favorite songs. All is Full of Love. I highly recommend checking nice, it out. Nice. It's Trip Hoppy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's
1: great. No, Human Behavior is a great song. Yeah. I. I got super into Bjork because I had this acting teacher in high school who was really into Michel Gondry Okay. and we watched his DVD of music videos and him and he's done a ton of stuff with Bjork so yeah
0: yeah yeah she's like the level of thought that goes into the songs seems like comparable to like Tom Waits like you know Tom Waits like nothing on the album is like a mistake he you know what i mean he didn't just throw it on some riff he'd heard a million times and just cranked one you out. know that's
1: that's like a, a parallel i never drawn before but that makes a lot of sense like bjork and tom waits really they're like these like phenomenons unto themselves yeah yeah no, no one else is like them yeah They're this single solo artist with this huge, expansive discography of many different sounds and variations.
0: One has, like, an angel voice. One has the voice of a devil. (laughs) Satan himself. (laughs) But really, I mean, they both, like, yeah, singular artists. And And it's, like... Tons of thought go into the music. Really big in Japan. Yeah, big (laughs) in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. But, no, yeah, so Bjork. So I'm, like, the last one on Earth to discover Welcome Bjork I feel like. Bjork train <laughs> yeah. Bjork train
1: oh and I learned through her being on the episode her name is actually pronounced Bjork like really? the word jerk but with the word letter B in front of it jerk
0: jerk oh, yeah okay. Wow. I always say Bjork also, Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that she was married to Matthew Barney who made a fucking crazy ass movie series called Crimister oh shit if you've ever fucking no, seen Crimister Cycle I, I have not
1: but, but you just reminded me of so, something yeah. that's totally going to be up your alley. I oh. talked about this a bit. So, in the 90s, Bjork had a stalker. Oh yeah. It's uh there's a documentary about it. It's really fucked Shit. up. His name is Ricardo Lopez. He was first of all mentally unstable yeah. and obsessed with Bjork. And at the time she had started dating this British electronic artist named Goldie, uh-huh. who is black. Yeah. Af- African-British, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> he hated black people. So in his mind, he had built Bjork up as this like perfect, pristine angel. And it, he went fucking crazy. He's like, how can she date a black man? Wow. By the way, he never used the word black man. You can imagine yeah, the, the word he used. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. He bought a video camera and, like, taped himself for months just ranting and raving and, like, going into madness. And he came up with this idea of building an acid bomb and sending it to her to wow. either A, kill her, to punish her, or B, disfigure her so she knows that she did wrong. Wow. And he basically builds this book that when you open it, a spring-loaded trap comes and, sp- like, sp- Shoots acid into her face. Really? Holy shit. And then, like, the video ends, like, he mailed it off. And then the very last bit of the video is, like, him shaving all of the hair off of his body, painting his face, listening to her album. And when the very last note of the album goes off, he puts a gun in his mouth and blows his brains out. Holy shit. And, that, and the FBI found all these videos. And then somehow this, like, Danish. Documentarian got a hold of it and edited it into an hour-long documentary that, <laughs> if
0: wow, you wow, go on the wow. right part
1: of the internet, you can find. Finally, it's not wow. that
0: easy to grab, but <laughs> holy shit, dude! Wow, it's oh my god! Yeah. that's fucking. Nuts. If
1: you go on YouTube and just type in Ricardo Lopez, there's at least like a little clip. clips yeah. from it. Wow! If you really want to see the whole thing, dude, I might that's... be able to hook you.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Off the record, yeah. Jesus Christ. That's yeah. Fucking nuts. Yeah. Damn, my girl Bjork
1: should be doing Bjork. i like, dang. Me. So I've been
0: listening to, funnily enough, The Life of Pablo. Uh, the new. Wait. So the real one or the one, the fake one?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the. There's two, man. There's the two. Remastered
1: officially released one the remix the fake one i will say (laughs) yes the fake so i've been listening to the fake life of pablo (laughs) thank you it's it's, i haven't heard it it's really growing on me yeah like i know we had a review of it and i just gotta hand it to kanye the i think the thing he does best is production yeah he always does something interesting with production and he handed us this hot mess of an album that sounded just thrown together at the last minute. Yeah. Now I'm not saying it is, it is not like cohesive. It is still like this weird hodgepodge. There's a lot of like cringeworthy moments on it still, but even just the minor tweaks to the production. Makes it feel like a complete finished album. Nice. And nice, yeah. For as minor as the changes were, it adds a lot. Yeah. And you know, there were some line changes. Some of the. There's some extra lines in Chances Versus and Ultralight Beams. Nice. He gave Frank Ocean his own track. He added Sia back to Wolves. He changed around some other lines. And it just. It it just feels a lot better to Welcome listen to. Too. Nice. And I'll have to check it out. I'm not as distracted by how, like, insane it sounds anymore. <laughs> and I'm just truly enjoying his production. Nice. The lyrics are still fucking stupid for the most part. <laughs> but it's sonically, I believe, yeah. is a much more enjoyable listen. Now. Nice. I'll check it out. I'll yeah. have
0: to check it out.
1: Though, I might be wrong about this but I think he made the low lights or low life song better longer not better longer <laughs> yeah. the the track of the woman saying you want me to tell you what he's done for my life he made it longer I wow. maybe I just, just feels my, longer maybe just think. feels longer because of how much I hate it yeah but it feels like there's an extra minute in there I, I,
0: I could easily check this out but I didn't That's like check the kind this, of but. track that wouldn't even make like the the B-side cut.
1: Why'd a track you like us? that. If you're gonna add it in, should be like a 15-second transition. It yeah. should not be like a three-minute-long yeah. monologue about Kanye slash God. Yeah. That's
0: fucking stupid. No, I'll listen to that album. Okay. Oh, I should. I should. I really should. Let's
1: let's move on to our our first track, the one that I cannot pronounce. Ma mir loi. Can't you read? Okay, there's the first part. <laughs> so that that means Mother Goose what? in French, and then tablue the laternet. It's this track by Maurice Ravel. You can read it for yourself. It's in French, and it is from his Mother Goose. Symphony, I believe, which was originally released in
0: 1911. That was a hot year for these yeah. kind of fairy tale tracks, man. Hot, hot year, hot year. <laughs> climbing up the Billboard <laughs> 200 charts. <laughs> He's really catering to the mainstream,
1: yes. but you yeah, I'll cut some slack. <laughs> so, Joseph Maurice Ravel was a French composer. Pianist and conductor. He is often associated with the Impressionist movement, though he rejected the term. Hipster. Classic hipster. In the 1920s and 30s, he was internationally regarded as France's greatest living composer at the time. Wow. Ravel is known for incorporating elements of Baroque, neoclassicism, and in his later works, actually jazz and he's a, he was a very slow and painstaking worker. He, uh, he composed fewer pieces than pretty much all of his contemporaries. He actually, in his time of composing, and his repertoire consisted of like a few piano pieces, some chamber music, two piano concertos, ballet music, two operas, eight song cycles. And, oh, actually, so I take it back. This is not a symphony. I don't know my classical music terminology because this, my notes say that he never wrote a symphony nor any religious works of any sort. So Uh-oh. I guess this is probably considered a song or an opera maybe. Maybe uh-huh. an opera. Yeah, well, because I, I know... What he did often is he would write these piano pieces and then eventually convert them into orchestrated pieces. So this actually began as just a solo piano work, and then eventually he expanded it to a full orchestra. Yeah, yeah. And another little interesting fact about Ravel, he was among one of the very first composers to recognize the potential in recording music, to bring music to a wider public. So, from the, mm-hmm. in the early 1920s, despite his limited te- technique as a pianistic conductor, he actually took part in recordings of several of his works, which, and then the ones that he didn't actually compose, he at least supervised it, so, wow. he's one of the very first composers to actually Get in the studio. hear a recording wow. of his own music, wow. which is kind of cool. Wow. Yeah. And, uh... I really couldn't find out that much more About like this piece In particular Other yeah. than like But it was originally a piano piece So what did, what did you think of this Our first classical piece I
0: hated it Where's the electric guitar bro Come on <laughs> Where's I it No I'm fucking kidding <laughs> I just love the idea of hating this song I think song, you should bro. have two guitars <laughs> Hey this song needs two guitars man. Come on uh, no no. <laughs> hey I mean, okay. it's not a bad song uh, I don't I certainly don't have the ear to pick up on what might be baroque or classical or neoclassical, jazz, neoclassical or jazz infusion but, I mean it's a nice kind of floral light kind of regal playful song you know it's nice it seems like it would I had no idea I, I you know I wasn't brushing up on my French so I had no idea this was for Mother Goose. Makes complete sense. It sounds like kind it of does. Of kind weird. of sound like a fairy yeah. tale. Yeah, yeah, It's like a light, playful. It would go with some narrative. It seems like a song that would go with some narrative or visual or play, etc. So I mean, it was yeah, it was nice. Yeah,
1: I I thought it was very impressive for being such a short piece of orchestrated music. You know, it's just under four minutes, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It spans quite a few like, emotional sounds. Yeah, it does. You know, it starts off kind of very uplifting, and then it kind of gets to this, like, really manic, like, (whistles) (whistles) wee, (whistles) wee, wee, like, yeah, but it's, like, happy. Yeah. And then it kind of reaches this, like, really kind of low, somber. Yeah, introspective kind of. Yeah. And then it goes back and, like, kind of repraises the... Reprises reprises. the original kind of really uplifting, whimsical. Like, speaking of Mother Goose, I definitely kind of, you know, whenever I listen to classical music, due to how abstract it is, I can't help but, like, see pictures in my head. You know, I definitely saw kind of like a Disney cartoon, like, morning in a forest with, like, critters waking up and crawling over the place, like Snow White
0: or something. Yeah yeah which would mean it's a success. I mean a song's supposed to go. And I mean one thing I think, I mean, you can't really compare pop music with classical music. Uh, you probably shouldn't, but if one were to, I mean, there's no comparison to just the depth and of of attention to the different instruments and sa- I mean, if you're just talking about layer of sound, all the different instruments nesting a melody so kind of. Deeply and harmoniously. I mean, it's, yeah, it just like blows pop music out of the water. It may not always be the most interesting thing to actually listen to. Sure. But when you really listen, I mean, this song, too, it just nests the melody. It's such a kind of amazing kind of flourish and movement. I mean, it's impressive. I mean, I could never do it. I could never write a song like this. Yeah.
1: And speaking to that, one of the things I did read about Ravel was, and I guess one of the reasons why he was considered to be like, France's greatest living composer is Yeah while he might not have been like the strongest pianist and composer something like he's been described as someone who truly understood like the weight and tone of each instrument Yeah so yeah. like yeah he knew exactly how it should fit and where it should go in the song. So yeah and like they say, he was very a slow painstaking or painstaking composer. So like he spent a lot of time making sure every note from every instrument was just in its like perfect right place.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean really, I mean it's a sonic just kind of, I don't know why I keep using the word nest, but it's like a sonic nest. Well, because it's like animals and birds in nature. Mother
1: Goose, nest.
0: Mother nest. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's, there are a tremendous amount of instruments. I mean, again, you compare pop music, which has bass, maybe two guitars if you're lucky, man. If you're lucky, it's got two. Drums, you know, vocals, but I mean, it's you know, strings, brass, percussion, all, you know, harmonium at one point, too, but it's you know, you don't hear each, you don't hear all. That's the beautiful thing. An eight year old kid can listen to it and be like, that's a nice song. They're not going to say, wow, why are there 25 instruments? That's the beautiful, I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's amazing to coordinate all that sound. That's about yeah. as deeply as I can analyze it, no, unfortunately.
1: No, There's a good point, like, you know, some like five-piece bands have a hard time keeping their yeah. shit together, and the thought of like this yeah. huge orchestra like moving and
0: yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, it's I mean virtuoso. I mean shit, I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't do it. It's a little. I mean, hey, don't write yourself off. That a- 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 actually, you know, like, <laughs> funny, you, funny you should say. I actually have something. I, All good. right, let's play. Let's play <laughs> <Yeah>. it on. <laughs> We'll save that yeah. for the wing hunt. Okay. Corner, so. All right. Sounds good. But no, it's a good song. Yeah. It's a good song. <laughs> yeah.
1: I thought it was very enjoyable. And yeah. I will say, listening to like the four minutes of this did make me want, like, intrigue me as to wanting to hear the rest of, like, I wanted yeah. to hear it within the context of the rest of the, the piece. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Which
1: I probably should since I have it on my computer, <laughs> I guess. Have you ever
0: listened to it? It was one that was just hidden away on the, It was in the iTunes I, folder. I honestly think. I never heard of this guy before.
1: No, myself. neither at high. Uh, in act- uh, Maddie, who did orchestra all throughout middle school and yeah. high school, she so said did I. She, I should she said remember. that she didn't even recognize this guy's. Okay, now I don't feel as so.
0: bad because I played cello. I'd never. Heard I of this mean. Guy. Okay, she did. Oh, maybe say she, she did. Re- she recognized I did. it. I had no idea. At all. But he is more of a.
1: I mean I know 1911's old but like in regards to like some of the greats he is more of a contemporary, contemporary yeah. composer yeah. so you know he's not up there with your Beethovens and
0: yeah what some but some but someday, someday Ravel. My dream is that my son will play this song and <laughs> this fifth grade orchestra recital. In
1: Specifically fifth grade. Fifth grade, if man. It's sixth or fourth.
0: If you fuck up ruin. If you fuck up Dominic Jr., you're out. <laughs> Dommy Juggs Jr. Dommy Juggs J. D double J. D double J. D double J Oh,
1: your poor future kid. <laughs> Alright, let's move on to our next track. Debate Exposes Doubt by Death Cap for Cutie. Off the two thousand one album the photo album. Deathcap for Cutie is an American alternative and indie rock band from Bellingham Washington. Lead singer, frontman and creator, founder of the band Ben Gibbard came up with the name Deathcap for Cutie. He actually took it from the song Deathcap for Cutie written by Neil Inez and Sissy and Stanchel, and performed by their group The Bozo Dog Doodah Band. What? The song was performed by the Bozos in the Beatles film Magical Mystery Tour. So this Uh was kind of a fake band for the Magical Mystery Uh Tour movie. And they wrote a song called Death Cab for Cutie.
0: That's where he got it. And uh, just to be clear, this was post-Paul. They said School Mystery oh, Tour. Sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> this is the, the better fake Paul. Yeah, to give credit where credit's yeah. due. I mean, this is a uh, you know a bit of a digression, but it's an important one. I like. To Sorry. Think. No,
1: <laughs> I I love that you're holding our yeah. Beatles facts up to scrutiny. <laughs> yeah. So the song's <laughs> name. Death Cabot for Cutie was in turn taken from an invented pulp fiction crime magazine devised by the English academic Richard Hoggart in his 1957 study of working class culture, the uses of literacy. Whoa. So wow
0: kind of has like two origin points. Wow in way. that's impressive.
1: In a 2011 interview, Gibbard stated, "The name was never supposed to be something that someone was going to reference 15 years on. So yeah, I would absolutely go back and give it a more obvious name. <laughs> you didn't think people would draw the connections?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: don't know. I feel like hey, even pro- cool. I feel like even at the time when he named the band the Beatles, were like the biggest fucking thing ever. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it is very kind of niche, but." The Beatles are big enough where there's enough. I mean, yeah, yeah, you fans would think. of it. Yeah, but I think it's a good name. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. misleading for the kind of music they make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
0: what, what, what band do you imagine when you hear Death Cab for Cutie? I would. I mean, it's. I'm trying to think of when I first heard a Death Cab like for before Cutie you. song. Because now I can't get it out of my head. But yeah, you would imagine something kind of dark. Well, see, and something heavy, probably.
1: I remember. When I first saw the name, a girl was wearing a T-shirt. And I guess this girl influenced what I thought of it because I knew her to, like, kind of, like, really post-hardcore emo music. Yeah. So she was wearing that. So I assumed it was going to be, like, uh, the used or from Autumn to Ashes or Under Oath-esque band. Yeah. And I was... I was into that music, too, so I'm like, oh, hey, what's Death capture for Cutie? And I remember her saying, oh, you wouldn't like them. Don't bother <laughs> looking, which made me want to say, fuck you. Now I want to go listen yeah, to them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, Like, I went home, and before even listening to it, I just, like, went and just arbitrarily downloaded their album, Transatlanticism.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. And I remember
1: listening to them, like, wow, this isn't anything like I imagined. <laughs> and now I slowly gradually turned into like one of my all-time favorite albums yeah yeah so i guess in a way in a way thank you yeah for the kelsey Schweiker. that was her name thank Thank you kelsey Kelsey. i'm sure she listens our number one fan
0: (laughs) kelsey yeah
1: (laughs) so uh this album the photo album was kind of marked a gradual change in Death Cab sound. Their earlier music was more kind of noisy is not a good word, but a more noisy kind of lo-fi, you know, early Modest Mouse built to spill kind of indie noisy rock. And this album was kind of along their path to their more emotionally charged indie rock that we kind of know them to be today. This was one of those kind of transitional albums. Yeah. Uh, Mulaney Hopped of the Austin Chronicle gave this album three stars out of five and saying, it's rare talent that can express emotion so concisely. Even more rare is the ability to deliver them in a near whisper rather than a scream which I thought resonated very much so, especially with this song. Yeah. This song seems to be, from my interpretation, about someone struggling with the impossibility of loving someone else unconditionally, Mm -hmm. and then using alcohol as a means to try to ignore this fact. Uh, The narrator then sees this perfect couple But soon realizes that they're just two generic people following the motions, and that even they are just kind of leading this fake love. And then the song ends with him accepting this fate to never truly love whomever he's with. Yeah. And he basically kind of just resides to drink a lot to numb the pain of his realization. Yeah. Yeah. I, the the uh, last, yeah, yeah. and an uh, interesting fact to go along with that, the last line of the song kind of ties the whole album together. So the the album's called The Photo Album, and each song on the album kind of, at least at one point in every song, will kind of try to hit a visual cue, hmm. such as a photo album. Right, right, right. And the first song when the album is called Steadier Footing which is kind of a weird title, but that song is kind of supposed to kind of like show the stability that was the goal of this album. All of the soul-searching confessional lyrics, cathartic impulses kind of lead to this point at the end. So like the first song is called Steadier Footing, and it's about trying to find the stability. But at the end of the song, the very last line of the song is that he is alone and staggering yeah so it kind of shows this failure to find stability and he just ends up drunk and staggering at the end yeah and actually there was a series of bonus songs on this album which eventually became an ep called the stability ep and to draw another connection point that ep contained a cover of the All is Full of Love song by Bjork that I talked about earlier in
0: this episode. Wow. Are you bullshitting me? Boom. Are you bullshitting me? No, I will post that shit. They did a great cover of that Bjork song. That's amazing. Yeah. That's quite the connection. This was not planned ahead of time, No. ladies and gentlemen. It was not at all. (laughs) Damn, damn, damn.
1: Ben Gibbard has stated this song the one little sh- snippet he gave is i like the song structure it's about how the most beautiful people in the world look the most generic that was his insight as to the meaning so of the song beautiful of the most generic huh. yeah, so what what did you think of debate exposes doubt i thought this was a good song i Okay, there's his review. Let's I, move on to the next <laughs> one. No, line I, the next one
0: up. Hey, bring the next one. Sorry. Okay. This one was good. You thought yeah. it was a good song. This was a good song. I I don't know Death Cab for Cutie extremely well, like a casual fan. Like, I've heard their songs on the radio through friends, and I've liked them. It seems like, like there's some... To me, the selling point has always been just, like, at a sheer sense of sincerity, these songs, like, touch me. They, the guy just sounds so goddamn sincere. He's just like, I can't, you know what I mean? It's like, I can't get him away. He just sounds, like, he, too sincere. Yeah. I don't know if he, if you know what I'm saying. Maybe it's not fair. I, he just seems, like, very sincere. And, and the lyrics are usually pretty well crafted. And the lyrics here are very good too. My main complaint was, I don't know why the song was so long. I could not figure it out. There is a I exceptionally it out. long outro, instrumental outro. 2.30 to 4.36 is like almost exactly the same outro. Maybe there's just tiny bit shift, but that that was the one thing I found frustrating. I was like, give me some more lyrics or do something a little crazier with the instruments, th- that was the one thing that really frustrated me. I will say, first of all, my best
1: explanation is just that this is the last track yeah. on the album. So then that's a so real, it's a more cathartic it's, it's outro. It's almost as like an outro to yeah. the album as a whole.
0: See that, may- and then maybe I'd hear more of the differences in there yeah. too. Two, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Secondly, that, that makes sense. Death Cab, they've been
1: known to kind of experiment with extended instrumentals. Now, the other two that I can think of aren't as static as this. Yeah. Their song, Transatlanticism, and then off of Transatlanticism, has this very building ending. So it's similar to this song, where it takes place at the end. Yeah. it has like a post-rock crescendo to it, where it okay. just builds and builds and builds, and like especially the the album recording of it does not do it justice. If you ever see them perform the song live, yeah, it's like the drummer is just beating the shit out of the drums, and the bass is just slamming on. Like it, nice, it gets nice. fucking loud for a band that doesn't seem like it has much of a pulse. They yeah. Can, Really yeah, get, get fucking there. loud, nice. And then also their song off of Narrow Stairs, "I Will Possess Your Heart," has like this super long intro. Huh. It just starts off with like this bassline, like doom 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 doom, and then it kind of slowly keeps like layering instrumentation on it, and then it finally builds to them actually singing. So, again, this yeah is like contextual in that of like a Death Cab fan would recognize this but like this yeah. to me yeah. based off of where in their discography this appears it seems like it's their like first steps towards kind of experimenting with yeah. like this yeah, absolutely. jam yeah. instrumentation mixed with kind of sad introspective indie rock yep
0: yep yep cause yeah it's not yeah that makes a lot of sense cause it's not to like the very last few seconds where it's like stripped down and then it gets a little like dissonant too like a little bit more experimental yeah. like the last like 20 seconds so it's like yeah maybe they were just kind of getting warmed up but yeah that was i mean it's a small gripe but that last two minutes gripe corner yeah gripe corner they could have done a little bit more <laughs> like more instruments more layers more angular like it should have been dissonant. so static they should have yeah. Yeah, but explore it a bit but it makes sense you know hearing it in context of the album maybe I but I dig it in a fair point to you
1: though like you sh- <laughs> you shouldn't know like while it makes sense within the context of the discography at the time they had written it Seems to you they have yeah. failed as a band because you can't really get across that idea. Is like, hey, yeah. we're trying this out, we're gonna do better in the future, yeah, yeah. So, to someone like you who doesn't like that, that doesn't do much though, like now it might ease your mind a bit
0: more. When I first heard it, I was like, are they getting paid for like every second that this song is just milking? It. <laughs> They're like, just one more minute so I can buy this ship. I mean, I didn't know what, why, <laughs> why no. is it so long? It's like over half the song is the same. But, you know, but that's really a testament to it. I liked, again, you know, the lyrics in the first two minutes. You know, I mean, it was a really well-crafted song.
1: Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I... Forewarning, I love Death Cab. This song, especially after, like, analyzing it at the scrutiny that I need to for, like, doing this podcast. Yeah. This is, like, fucking dark song yeah <laughs>
0: like yeah especially yeah that last line ben, that you mentioned ben gibbard he's
1: kind of pretentious at times but he's vo- he's very sincere yeah he's seen yeah i mean that's always like i don't patient. doubt his yeah. intentions or his emotions ever and he's, he's a great lyricist and i mean this is a particular album that i haven't listened to that much within their discography and like mm. i it was almost unsettling how cynical this song was. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, I almost wish like he was kind of writing this from the perspective of a character. Cause like to think that he felt this way, almost like, it's like this person who uh, like, of course I don't know Ben Gibbard at all, but based off of like my relationship with him, with his music it's like oh this isn't the ben i know yeah yeah no yo know, you're right yeah it is <laughs> like just this yeah. like alcoholic drinking as to avoid yeah. his realizations on life it's just it's so yeah working days were
0: crafting the bar quietly erasing yeah. the week yeah just repetition starts to thin their meaning the work oof uh, yeah. There's no way to live buddy damn so. and then but i mean it is a, again you know form and content it's a nice mix of like cuz when he sees like finally there's clarity the music does kind of lighten and you yeah. feel and then and then when it ends with that but i alone him stay green then you get kind of minor chords so yeah yeah it's a nice mix of but yeah it's dark, it's really dark. I, I it is really dark and i i do have stuff. to hand it to him like you don't really get across the
1: idea of this jaded cynical cynicism without reading the lyrics. Yeah. Like yeah. on the surface it doesn't it sounds kind of like sad and wistful, but it's not it's not until you read the lyrics that you're like, "Oh fuck."
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. It, it's I think it's a great song overall. Yeah. I I can see where you're coming from. The ending might be a bit repetitive and not that useful to like getting across a new
0: idea though yeah yeah Yeah. but overall good song good song good song next song like it's the good good, rating. it's good (laughs) the shuffle goods two goods (laughs) (laughs)
1: all right next song atlas song by yonzi and alex off the 2009 album rice boy sleeps yonzi and alex is an artistic collaboration between Yonzi Bjergson and his partner, Alex Somers. Yonzi, if you're not aware, is the guitarist and vocalist for the legendary Icelandic post-rock band Sigur Mm Rós. He is known for his use of using a cello bow on his guitar and his falsetto voice. Interesting fact about him, he is blind in his right eye. Shit. I didn't even know. If you ever notice, he's kind of cockeyed a bit and it's he's blind in his right eye. I thought eye. it was just
0: one of those artist <laughs> things, you know, <laughs> yeah, in my it's, head. Yeah, it's a statement.
1: <laughs> no, it's actually the result of a broken optic nerve that he was born with. Oof. And Alex Somers, his boyfriend, is an American visual artist and musician from Baltimore, Maryland. Huh. As well as being a member of Yonzi and Alex, he was also part of a post rock band called Parachutes for a brief period of time Uh, the name comes from a common term for dandelion seeds which I didn't know they're called parachutes they recorded most of their music in his kitchen and living room and commonly experimented using household objects and toys as instruments yeah actually the first time I saw Sigur in concert parachutes opened for them but they as of 2008 they are now a defunct band (sighs) no longer together Shoot. I didn't even know you. No. So now he spends most of his time producing. He actually has a record label in Iceland where he lives with Yonzi. Nice. He's done production on many of Sigur albums as well as helped create their artwork. Nice. And he also played a huge role in Yonzi's solo album, Go, uh, producing it, performing on it as well. Mm-hmm. So Yonzi and Alex... Began as a Cigarro side project around 2003 and they originally called rice boy sleeps That was the original name of the project. It actually started as a visual art project not musical They actually created a picture book and did like a limited run of it for intended for children, I believe And then eventually they started making music the music tends to be in the same vein as Sigur though way more yeah. ethereal and experimental hmm and a little interesting fact about a song on this album not the Atlas song the one we're talking about but there is a song on this album called boy 1904 and it uses a recording of the last known castrato Alessandro Moreschi Wow now, for those of you not familiar,
0: castrato is in the castrato. Huh? Yes, uh, yeah. castrato
1: is a type of classical male singing voice, equivalent to that of a soprano, mezzo-soprano,
0: or contralto. But Jared, how do they get the voices so high? Well, oh,
1: we're getting there. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'll tell you how I get the voices so high. The voice is produced by castration <laughs> of the singer before puberty sets in. How sweet. Though sometimes it can occur due to an endocrinological, <laughs> endocrinological condition. So it's a condition you're born with that you never reach sexual maturity. Mm. But usually it happened by cutting their balls off.
0: Damn. Yeah. For art. They did it for, for art. For the aesthetic.
1: Uh, (laughs) castration before puberty prevents the boy's larynx from being transformed by the normal physiological events of puberty and as the castrato's body grew his lack of testosterone meant that his bone joints did not harden the normal manner thus the limbs of the castrati often grew unusually long as did the bones of the rib this combined with the intensive training actually gave them an unrivaled lung power and breath capacity that others lacked because wow. they actually had more space. Their ribs were further apart, so their lungs could actually expand more than a normal person. Wow! Wow! Uh, prepubescent castration was officially made <laughs> illegal in 1870. Buzzkill! Why? Yeah. Eh. Why
0: did it actually, take so
1: long? I tried Jesus. to. Uh, I tried to like search the history of like how this began and like it goes way back like castration obviously used to be a form of like punishment yeah and I it it was a little vague the research I did but basically it used to be a way to like punish criminals and then they somehow stumbled upon the fact that it makes people sing well (laughs) so then the Catholic (laughs) Church started doing it to all these little boys and as they do yeah then poor Alessandro He's Damn. actually also, um, I believe, w- the only castrato to, like, actually be recorded.
0: Wow. Like, there's yeah, no yeah, recordings yeah, of
1: castratos except for this guy because he was the last one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So yeah, uh, castration. Race boy sleeps. <laughs> uh, Pitchforks. Ian Cohen had this to say about this album.
0: Ian Cohen. Yeah. <laughs>
1: depending on how you look at it rice boy sleeps can be considered a defined statement doing a full-on cannonball into pure moods bubble bath yonzi and alex keep the orchestration and elastic song lengths of sigur rose but break rank by all but eliminating rock based textures and structures and most startlingly, the most iconic part of the band's sound yonzi's own voice hmm. i'll be quite honest When I first tried to tackle this thing as a whole, I fucking hated it. That's not really the response a record that goes so far out of its way to soothe should elicit. But regardless of Eno, Stars of the Lid, and Mountains being staples of a listener's balanced diet, you always run the risk of approaching ambient music while otherwise being in the verse-chorus mindset. But what struck me as most frustrating about 20 minutes in was just how indecisive the sound about its ambience too deconstructed patient and ethereal to really qualify as pop music obviously but also too ostentatious. its average track length of eight and a half minutes was it really earned and well loud to fit in, it was also too loud to fit the bill as background music and the dynamic statics are nearly suffocating brevity is the soul of wit and all, but then again, Yonzi's never really been known for a sense of humor. So he, he hmm. sorry, I probably butchered that quote, but basically he was getting at it like, it was like, it was like too ambient, but also it was, it couldn't really be background music because of how loud it got.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But it wasn't really like, It was too ambient to be, like, accessible pop rock music at the same time.
0: I I mean, I kind of just personally hate Ian Cohen. (laughs) I think he, like, needs to, like, take a class on, like, how to write a music review. But I do actually kind of see his point. I kind of do, too. I do do see his point there. And I do, I love Sigaros. I mean, I'm not, I don't, haven't listened to all their, you know, albums. I don't know, you know, their, their, you know, I can't claim to know, but... This sounded like it could have very well been on a Sigur album. I mean, if you had just said, who is this? It's a band you know, and someone played it. I think it was and But, But I did... I don't know exactly how to say it, but there is something a little bit indecisive. I, I did kind of have a similar impression that for an ambient song to be eight minutes or longer... And I mean, this sounds so like snooty, but like... You you go really slow. It's eight minutes because it's so you something that you're seeing the flower bloom instead of just seeing the flower like a pop song. You see it bloom, and it, you know the mechanics are so slow. But here, it almost is like it didn't. They didn't trust themselves oh, yeah. to do a song like that.
1: And that's not Yonzi's style. Like he would never like do a slow ambient drone. Yeah, it's kind of like it still has like that like pop upbeat sensibility but they're trying to make these like long stretched out ambient tracks yeah
0: so i mean yeah maybe and yeah i mean i hate to kind of use ian cohen's words but yeah maybe part of it was like i was stuck between thinking of this as a pop song and then trying to think of it as like an ambient song but i mean i liked it i liked it i don't know what did you think well so there,
1: there's one more thing i want to read for you oh i jumped the gun no no it's fine <laughs> okay over okay so to answer your question overall i enjoyed the song but it just made me want to listen to secret rose yeah 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 like, yeah it yeah, felt yeah. like a secret rose song that was missing a third of it yeah. like it felt yeah. like the beginning stages of an idea for a secret rose song yeah is, uh, maybe no, I, yeah, maybe me being a Sigur fan ruined it for me. Like if I'd gone and never knowing Sigur maybe I would enjoy it more. But yeah. it's just like I could listen to a better version of this very easily. Yeah, is yeah. my my initial impression. Like I think it's masterfully done. The amount of texture and atmosphere that they injected into this yeah it's, it really it's is. intoxicating. Yeah. yeah, but it feels like they're trying to build towards something that they never get to. Yeah, you know. Yep like it feels incomplete yeah 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 no. and the, the the vocals the lulu lus that like the children's choir singing all i could think of was charlie brown christmas yeah like they're like the hark the herald angels sing like lulu. Yeah. Yeah. like that's yeah. all i could hear yeah when they were doing the Lulu's in the background. Yeah. Of the song. So that was very distracting for yeah. me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was the same. I kept thinking of, if not that something very similar to that. I yeah. had just like, Brown, just something, just some, just kind of more generic kind of like kid. It, it was very sentimental. That was my other thing is this song. It was very sentimental. In a way that like Stars of the Lid Again, because I was thinking the same thing Like a Stars I haven't heard a single Stars of the Lid song That I could say was sentimental It's like a kind of nostalgic And it's kind of drawn out And you feel something But it's not sentimental No But this was And in kind of that Charlie Brown way oh. Where it was like ah, I feel feel good Yeah And then you're exactly right I could hear a kind of better version of this If I just popped in Sigur Rós like, Now but I liked it, you're right too, it's very well it's, layered. It's, it's yeah. very well done, yeah.
1: it's just there's better versions of it yeah. that I know exist.
0: Maybe it's not as confident now, as Cigarosa. I
1: I when I was doing research for this, I couldn't find anything about this, so maybe I'm making it up. But back when this came out in 2009, I remember reading something about how this, was intended for like children like to help children sleep because they did the picture book which was for children yeah you're right i don't know if yonzi and alex have a child together i don't know that about their relationship yeah for some reason i have this memory of them saying that they made the picture book for either their kid or kids and this was supposed to be an album rice boy sleeps it was supposed to help be a soothing album for children to listen to to fall asleep you yeah, had i mean in which case yeah. like about, i said um, i might be making it yeah, up because i couldn't find anything about that when i was just yeah. researching it but i remember that now <laughs> i just i feel the need to read this just to kind of <laughs> give some context so on yonzi and alex's website there's a press release for this album and i just wanted to read an excerpt from it just to kind of give you some yeah yeah for yeah that. yeah Played solely on acoustic instruments in Iceland and then endlessly toyed with on solar powered laptops <laughs> in a raw food commune in some far corner of Hawaii. Rice Boy Sleeps has a subtly uh organic feel to it.
0: With uh in there? Uh was oh written my god,
1: in. nice. The wave-like lapping of its tidal flow buried beneath analog's hiss, crackle, pulse and distortion. The creaking of rigging and sometimes indeterminate falling delicately over. On howl, rumative animal chirrups, grunts, snorts, and purrs. I, I mean, for God's sakes, the last song on this album, <laughs> which is called Sleeping Giant, is literally a seven-minute field recording of an accordion bellows. With wow. no song. No song. <laughs> no sound it's literally like it's literally just the sound of the bellows going for
0: seven minutes
1: and wow. th- there is light ambient drone yeah but there's there's really no other structure than that it's just wow. the sound of the bellows opening and closing yeah and just the, the raw food commute
0: <laughs> I it that must be like tongue-in-cheek would they threw the uh in there like uh see because I, I don't I know hope. who wrote it. It's yeah. on the
1: website, but it's just like I credited hope. as press release. Yeah, so press I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Jonsi and Alex <laughs> wrote it or not, but it's just yeah. like holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now,
0: well, it yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's a,
1: it's a good song, yeah, but yeah. it's just not as good as a Cigero song.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it seems not as confident or I, i'm not sure what it is but yeah there's something kind of indecisive in it that it just doesn't fully know what it's trying to achieve like a cigarro song does yeah it's like i never for never in the for a second cigarro am i am i like where are they going for i just experience it, i'm like wow it's you just take it in yeah exactly but this i was kind of like ah, what are they going for yeah. but, all right
1: okay let's move on to our next one All His Suits Are Torn by NoFX of the 1997 album So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. NoFX is an American punk rock band from Los Angeles, California. They formed in 1983 when vocalist and bassist Fat Mike got together with guitarist Eric Melvin and they decided to start a band. NoFX's mainstream success was signified by a growing interest in punk rock during the 1990s, but unlike many of their contemporaries, such as Bad Religion, Green Day, and The Offspring, they have never once signed to a major label. Oh. So. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Uh, They've released 12 studio albums, 15 extended plays, and a number of 7-inch singles on their own. Basically, they're DIY as fuck. Yeah. And Damn. they're good at it. Really fucking good at it. Damn. Like, I I know there's this whole thing with, like, integrity in punk rock.
0: Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
1: If there was a contemporary punk band that I would have to unironically <laughs> throw the integrity word at, it would be these guys. Yeah, they have no stuck shit. to their guns since 1983, and they haven't stepped down. They've yeah. always been just fucking doing what they're doing. And, like... Whether or not I even like their music, I can respect them for that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Damn. You never sold out? Yeah. Never sold out. Their, uh, their name
1: comes from a famous Boston hardcore band called Negative FX. And they they were looking no for a thinks. band name, and they liked this hardcore band Negative FX, so they went with No, no FX. FX. That's kind of where they got their, their name from. Fat Mike, he is... He's kind of the front man for this band. He actually owns his own record label known as Fat Wreck Chords. Nice. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the label has released material for many notable bands, including No Effects, Good Riddance, Descendants, Me First, and The Gimme Gimmies, The Loved Ones, Screeching Weasel, Propagandi, Rise Against, Leg Wagon, Strung Out, No Use for a Name, Less Than Jake, Against Me, and Anti Flag, which wow. are all huge modern day punk rock bands and uh, one somewhat uncommon and defining characteristic of fat Records is that they only sign one record deals with bands like uh, one hmm. record so that allows the band to choose whether or not they want to continue to work with them after the one album is released yeah. they're not obligated, obliged, obligated to, get, to put yeah. out multiple yeah And the label has never been a member of the Recording Industry Association of America, as indicated on their frequently asked questions portion of their website, stating, Are we a member? Not only no, but fuck no. (laughs) We spent three years having our label's name, which was misspelled, removed from their members list. A year went by, then our name showed up again on their fucking list. Who are these sons of bitches? Needless to say, we're in the process of having our name removed again, but they aren't being too cooperative. Jesus. <laughs> Interesting fact, in 2010, at the end of a concert after debuting a new song called Drinking Pea, a video played for the audience members that suggested a number of the festival participants unknowingly drank Fat Mike's urine. Nice. He was passing. So <laughs> the video showed Fat Mike urinating into a bottle of Patron. And prior to that song going on, he threw a bottle of Patron into the crowd and people started drinking it. <laughs> uh, little did they know that, of course, he switched it out with an actual bottle of Patron, but everyone thought they drank his piss. <laughs> and this classic actually,
0: piss drink, Gabe. Classic. Nice. This
1: actually resulted in him being banned from that... What? venue in austin texas and months later in an interview he stated he he was happy because he always wanted to be banned from somewhere <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, no effects is also known for their anti-bush stance uh, in 2003 they put out an album called the war on errorism and this kicked off their anti-george bush campaign fat mike organized a we- uh, punk website called uh, punkvoters.com he compiled two chart-topping Rock Against Bush albums where he got a bunch of his fellow punk band friends to put out anti-Bush and war songs. And he actually did started a tour called the Rock Against Bush U.S. Tour. Hmm. And on a live appearance on NBC's Late Night with Conan O'Brien in 2004, they performed a somewhat controversial rendition of their song Franco Un-American. And they changed some of the lyrics in the song. Uh, Some of the lines they changed were to, We all know George Bush is an imbecile. He loves dick but hates homosexuals. (laughs) We're sick and tired of the embarrassment. The whole world wants us to get a better president. Nice. Punk as fuck, man. Uh, And uh, so the, the name of this album... So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. I didn't know this because I don't go to many punk shows, but I I guess it is a very common occurrence at a punk show for shoes to be thrown on stage because oftentimes when people are crowd surfing, they will lose their shoes, and then if Uh, someone finds a shoe, throw it on stage. Yeah. So they got the name of that mixed with the... Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So long and thanks for all the fish. Right, so long and thanks sense. for all the shoes. Nice. Uh, in their uh, linear notes for the album, they call it arguably their third best album. <laughs> which I think <laughs> is pretty great. Nice, nice. And uh, also they're in the standard practice of including photographs of each of the band members within like the pamphlet of the album. They mocked it by having every picture of the band member replaced with a different person so they got a bunch of friends of other punk bands to like stand in under like the Fat Mike page it was just someone completely different nice
0: nice yeah
1: <laughs> so i guess before i get into some of the other stuff i found out about the song what did you
0: think of this song i i don't know no fx particularly well i just know that they're kind of a influential punk band this song sounded like a stock punk rock song. It's kind of generic sounding. Yeah. I mean, in now 1997, I don't know if it sounded yeah. generic then. Also, I, it's 2 minutes long. I know it's literally 2 minutes. I long.
1: know you're listening, Eric, and I'm very sorry. I know how much you love No Effect. Sorry, Eric. But today's not your day. Just simply based off of just like listening to it. The musicality, it's very stock. It's generic
0: sound. Yeah, yeah. Now, It's not bad, but it's not revolutionary by any standards. It's just solid, straightforward. Now,
1: when more context is brought in, I think I like this song more. So, I did a little bit of research, and while this is all purely speculation, uh, many fans believe this song is actually about Billy Corrigan. I was wondering... Cause it, what's he says the name? Billy Coben.
0: Yeah, Billy Coben. Billy
1: Coben lost his name. Yeah. Is
0: there any relationship with NoFX and Billy Coben? Well, so this is also speculation. I
1: couldn't, like, find concrete evidence supporting this, but some fans on, like, the No Effects fan forums say, like, Fat Mike fucking hates Billy Corrigan. Yeah. Like, anytime they end up playing a festival together, he'll make sure to, like ridicule Billy Corgan publicly as much <laughs> as he So I, th- I think he hates him. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so people believe this song being that it was written in 97 is about kind of the decline of the Smashing Pumpkins. It make, I mean at the time. yeah. It makes and if sense. you read the lyrics yeah. it makes sense. Yeah like, it does. They the got fucking I... huge and then they just fucking bombed. Yeah. After Melancholy pretty much. Yeah. Some people also believe that this is supposed to be kind of a mix of about between Billy Corgan and Kurt Cobain. If you look at the name Billy yeah. Cobain, it's yeah. kind of a mixture of their names. Yeah, I could see that. Now, both bands went down in flames for different reasons, but they both were bands in the 90s that soared too high, burnt their wings, and crashed into the sea yeah. in yeah. different respects. So it makes sense. and Yeah. The music, it's it's not bad, but it's generic. But I do really enjoy the lyrics, especially knowing that. Yeah, it makes, it, yeah, it's it, makes a, it... it's a very intelligent song. Yeah, it
0: makes it more significant. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's just got the guitar riffs, a little distortion, the drums, the bass, and the voice.
1: Now, it's I not will, bad. I will say, yeah. like for being kind of a generic sounding song it sounds like they know exactly what the fuck they're doing yeah yeah and i think that comes back to that integrity like you can you just kind of feel like an integrity and a soul that a lot of music in this vein kind of seems to lack this mainstream punk like green day's fucking soulless yeah these guys you can at least tell like it might kind of sound a little generic but they're they're sticking to their guns and doing what they do best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. selling out. Yeah.
0: True. No, and yeah, and the lyrics, yeah. Especially seen in that light, yeah, it makes it Yeah. Clever. Yeah, clever. But yeah, it's a. I mean, yeah, it's a short song too. I mean, it's yeah. literally two minutes, like a punk song it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: I, I did really like that line. I'm gonna get it wrong now, but like, I wouldn't want to know anyone who'd want to know
0: me. I did really like that <laughs> yeah, line. Yeah.
1: I like that line a lot. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Fuck anyone that wants to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Which it's is very punk, kind yeah. of like. It's very punk, but it also resonates, I feel, with, like, Billy Corrigan and Kurt Cobain. Yeah. It, yeah. I could I could see both of them, like, earnestly, unironically saying that line. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, Fat Mike is being sarcastic and yeah. mocking yeah. by yeah. saying that. Yeah.
0: It's very kind of pretentious. <laughs> I wouldn't want to know anyone who'd want to know me. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. that was something I wrote down, too. This music... Is not at all pretentious. Like, kind of like you're, they know what they're doing. It's honest. Yeah, it's very honest. Yeah, no. so it's the kind of song that would have that kind of like sarcastic, yeah, kind of critique of that stuff. Straightforward punk song. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, I'll give this a shuffle good. The shuffle good. The shuffle good and <laughs> tea. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> all right. With that, let's move on to our last song, Salonin. This by- one's good. Oh, this it's one's good. One, okay. I don't want uh, to spoil this one. And that'll be it for episode 16 Salonen <laughs> oh, oh, by Solon. AFX off the 2005 Anna Lord 5. AFX is one of the numerous aliases of Richard D. James, better known as AFX Twin, the Irish born British electronic musician and composer who is based in London. He is best known for his influential and idiosyncratic work in the electronic music style such as IDM and ambient techno especially in the in the 1990s for which he won widespread critical acclaim. And this is actually Re- uh, Richard's second appearance on Shuffle though Dominic was not there for the first one. Man, where was it? Yeah. Yeah, where were you man? You it's were rough. in Fargo, I'm, I'm assuming. Fuck Fargo, man.
0: Shit. Shit. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> <Fuck> Fargo. <laughs>
1: Though the first time he appeared on the podcast, it was as Aphex Twin. So this is his first appearance as hey, AFX. AFX is actually one of his very first monikers. I I might be getting this wrong, but I believe he actually used it before he was Aphex Twin. Hmm. And it's a special moniker in that some of th- he's got like that tome full of different names he records under this is his most frequently used one other than afx and it actually kind of has right like there's a reason why he uses it Because yeah. usually when he records under afx it is strictly with analog synthesizers oh. he kind of restricts himself to okay. only using analog synthesizers and that kind of leads to it being kind of this acid techno which i believe we kind of briefly got into when square pusher was on shuffle yeah just a quick reminder of acid acid techno is a very specific type of techno music or acid house also in that it's a genre of music that is specific to a certain instrument the the roland tb series specifically i believe the tb303 and the unique kind of squelching sound mm-hmm. that it puts out that defines this acid movement which was huge in the 90s and so this this analord series it was kind of it happened after aphex twin kind of disappeared for a while, so it's kind of all anyone had for a long period of time. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting series, so it's called the Annalord series. It's actually a three and a half hour long series. Damn. 42 tracks, all on 12 inch vinyl. Wow. Each one had anywhere between like two and four songs on it. And it was interesting. He released the tenth one first and... People didn't know about it. All of a sudden, there was just this, this AFX single. And if you bought it, you got this big box set with one sleeve in it and all these empty spots. All of a sudden, <laughs> you're like, oh, there's going to be more of these. Nice, nice, nice. And actually, to date, there's actually been about 20 bonus tracks that have been added to the series, which actually brings the total up to 62 in a wow. running time of 4 hours and 36 minutes. Good God. The name, Annalord. Is believed to refer to the analog and digital electronic music equipment that James uses to perform most of his music, as well as being a double entendre. Since James has a penchant for anagrams, it is noteworthy that Analord is an anagram for a Roland, a Ah. Roland being the instrument that produces acid techno. Nice. And. It's also been speculated that Analord is kind of like a combination of the words analog and anal lord. (laughs) You know, he's been known to use crude humor. He's lord of anus. There you go, nice. I I, I guess. (laughs) So this particular track, Salonen, is the B-side to the fifth installment in the series Analord 5. And from what the research I did, and this was kind of hard to track down, I believe Salonen is a small region in Wales, actually. Like a very it small farming be. region. Yeah. And there's a road called Salonen Road. Wow. And like if you Google Salonen, and the, the whole first page of like results is just Apex Twin related. But then the second one, it's called Salonen listings, and it's like real estate websites selling yeah. housing in this small area of Wales, wow, which actually makes sense because al- many of Aphex Twins' song titles are actually like old Welsh phrases, yeah. So he uses Welsh a lot yeah. in his, so it makes sense that this would be a region in Wales, yeah. So, what did you think of Salonen?
0: Uh, I mean, like Square Pusher, which I loved, I like this song. That being said, I didn't think it was as good. I can't remember what Square Pusher song we listened to. Melody AM, yeah, something, something like that. that. It wasn't it Or did, journey journey
1: to journey to read Ham. Journey yeah, that's to it. Something ham. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It didn't quite hit that level of like virtuosity. I liked it. I generally like acid house or acid techno. I don't know it really well, but like every time I've thrown on some like Pandora playlist of it. I just I like it. That being said It almost sounds like (laughs) Tell me if you if this seems right or if it seems totally off but like if you take a relatively standard melody that you could make electronically just a, a couple standard riffs of melody and you just accelerate it to times 200 is that what this song is (laughs) and then just a few other things added on it, but it's almost like just an absurdly fast like repetition of a melody that i enjoy listening to but i can't i can't tell if i'm being a little bit tricked with it no i i think that's a
1: very fair assessment especially like Aphex twin he's known for his kind of like fast Yeah, like beats. And it makes sense for it to be extremely repetitive if it is throwing back to house because house is very repetitive over and over and over again. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. I, too, I agree. I think this is... This kind of goes back to the Yonzi song. This is an all right... Like, it's a good song... But it just makes me want to listen to AFX Twin yep. because there's so yeah. much good AFX Twin, even yep. other AFX music, and like it's just like listening to this just makes me think Richard's done better. Yeah, I, I yep. I'd rather listen just a better Richard
0: song. Yeah, yeah, it made me think of other. It, in fact, yeah, that was my experience. I was it reminded me of the genre and the artist, and I was like, shit, I want to listen to him more. Because yeah. this seems like, yeah, kind of like a rough draft. It kind of, it just pales in comparison. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it, it's honestly, like, especially when he does stuff as Aphex Twin, it's very interesting. I won't say every song is like this, but especially, like, his last album he just put out, Syro. From, like, if you... I know you can't squint through listening, but from like a vague listening to it, it sounds like a repetitive song, but if you pay attention, yeah. it's constantly in flux. It's always changing you yeah. yeah. This is very static in comparison, yep. so it's easy to kind of like lose interest in it. Like, you yeah. know, there's some bleeps and bloops in there and really fast drums and percussion, but yeah. other than that, it's kind of flat and soulless. And yeah. I feel like oftentimes many artists, when they put a series of kind of constraints on themselves, usually kind of like thrive. Yeah. When you limit yourself, you're forced to be more creative. Yeah. I think Aphex Twin is like virtuoso genius to the extent where restraining himself to nothing but analog synthesizers actually harms him he needs his
0: full palette of of all of his
1: weird fucked up computer electronic shits to like fully make his music like being constrained like this makes him less of what he could possibly be yeah
0: I agree cuz yeah my biggest crit because the song is confident it's extremely precise but it just seems simple. It seems like he could do more with more equipment. Yeah, and yeah. I yeah. I guess
1: maybe if you had like just played this for me like blindly, maybe I'd enjoy it more. But like all I can hear is like, you can do better than this,
0: Richard. Yeah, you, yeah, You yeah. can do
1: way better than this.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it, it's a good song, but, it, but yeah, it's I mean, just it's, it's, it's not good as good as it could be. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's, yeah, because it's hard to say, I mean the song's good, but yeah, bike comparison to, yeah, other Apex twin or even like like Square Pusher. Square shit, Push, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, the song is fast, and it raises your heart rate, but it's not aggressive, you know what I mean, it's like, it's angular and riffy, but it's not like a Dan Deacon style of like, vis, you know, Dan Deacon yeah. can almost burn you out, but this is like, a similar spirit, but you know, you're not gonna get burnt out listening to it, but yeah, it just seems unnecessarily bare. And part of a few times I was convinced that like if I just slowed this down by 200%, this is just like Yeah. I mean a few times I was just like dude, you just fucking crank this so loud, which I mean it's not bad, but yeah, th- there could be more. There could be more to it. So it gets the good it, it gets, gets the, the good. shuffle good. The shuffle
1: good. <laughs> okay, well, of this series
0: of shuffle good songs, what was your goodest of the good? Actually, that's tough because they all, honestly, they all kind of got the good. Oh, man. Fuck. You have to pick. I gotta pick. I've always picked. You've right? gotta pick. Uh. That one, that, one that one was good. 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 I think I'm going to pick. What's my criteria here? What's the criteria? What makes it the best good? Like, just okay. which one would I want yeah, to listen to? Yeah, that's
1: usually how I do it. Like, which one of these songs could you actively sing yourself going to be like, I want to listen to this song for my own pure enjoyment? Atlas song. Atlas song?
0: Yeah, that, that's my most enjoyable. Yeah.
1: I think I'm gonna have to go with Death Cab. Yeah. De- or doubt. Ex- debate exposes doubt. Cause I do enjoy that song.
0: It's yeah. Well, the lyrics. And I could see myself yeah, going
1: good. back to that. Yeah. Quicker than Rice Boy sleeps. Yeah. But that's just me. Well, anyway, I, I guess that kind of wraps things up. Uh, please continue to send in submissions. Of tracks you want to hear us talk about or genres. I believe we actually have enough songs for our next user generated nice. playlist, which I'm thinking maybe we'll do next. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but keep sending them in because I actually have a couple songs for the third volume. So if you want to be part of that or any other. Actually, uh, you can help start thinking about this. Mm. Uh, Grant suggested that we do an episode of cover songs. Oh yeah. Maddie recommended if we could try to find like one song that was covered by five different bands or if we just want to do like five different covers that we think are particularly good or yeah. something. Like yeah, yeah, we we can talk about it. But yeah, please Nothing send but Beatles covers. Beatles covers. That'll be hard to find. <laughs> no one's ever done a Beatles cover before. <laughs> So if you have any stuff like that you want to send in to us, right on, right on. send it to us, facebook.com slash shuffle at shuffle Podcast on Twitter, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com email us shufflecastpod at gmail.com or if you know me in real life, you can contact me wherever you normally would. If you want to hear me and my friends talk about video games ever, please check out the GameCave podcast, soundcloud.com slash the GameCave podcast. They actually just did a second installment of every video game music. Nice. So it's kind of like a little shuffle crossover where everyone's talking about their favorite video game music. Nice. And I Final guess,
0: Fantasy Seven fucking theme song to the final fight against Sephiroth. There you go. That's my favorite. Fucking nerd! Listen to that one, dude. Fucking blow your mind. All right, I'll be scared to go to sleep. Okay, (laughs) imagine Sephiroth's
1: gonna come stab (laughs) us with his really long sword and sexy silver man hair. He's a beautiful man. (laughs) Too bad you have to destroy him. I know. Just, just like Edward Norton has to destroy Jared Leto in Fight Club. So beautiful. Yeah. Got to destroy (laughs) something beautiful. (laughs) Okay, here are your, uh, here's your tracks for the next episode episode 17 whenever it happens first track one by Mm alluvium second sink florida sink by against me third old 55 by tom waits Mm -hmm. fourth high and dry by radiohead which is that's a big one and fifth a drowning by how to destroy angels other than that, thank you for listening. I hope you all have a good week.
0: And bye. See you crest out. Yeah, see God damn it. <laughs> hey, oh. now that American Isles is done, I got to carry it on. He's carrying the torch. <laughs> he's, he's doing the Lord's work. The
1: all, all right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>